I have decided to undertake the endeavor to help explain the basics of angels, demons, and jinn, according to Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. Muslims, Christians, and Jews all believe in the existence of angels. Most of them believe in some form of demons, and only one of them really believe in something called jinn. I'll break down what the three different religions believe in general regarding these beings, and do a little bit of comparing and contrasting at the end. So, without further ado, let's get started. Christianity. There are entire fields of study on angels within Christianity. Angelology, some people are obsessed with it, other people could care less. And it's one of those topics that probably has some of the most variety in regard to what people actually believe about angels. On this video, I'm going to try to focus on the basics and what most Christians can agree upon. At some points, I may mention some theories or things that aren't directly from scripture or maybe some more debated topics, but those will be mentioned more briefly. I'm going to just try to focus on the core things that most Christians can agree upon. Let's start with the essentials. What are angels? Within Christianity, angels and demons share a similar origin point and nature, meaning that they are both conscious beings that possess something at least similar to a soul, and they are both considerably very powerful and were originally designed to be servants of God. However, at some point after the creation of all these angels, a third of them, including what would be known as Satan, rebelled against God because of their pride. And specifically, there's this idea or this concept that a third of the angels follow Satan's lead, leading to their downfall and becoming what we now know as demons. And now many of them roam the earth, tempt humanity, and try to lead people astray until the day of judgment. And there are some certain beliefs about demons living in hell or like hell is sort of the HQ of Satan and things like that. A lot of this roots back to traditions outside of the Bible, and by what we can best tell, demons operate primarily on earth. And you can kind of see this throughout the Bible where Satan's sort of referred to as the prince of this earth. He's referred to as like a lion prowling around the world trying to find people to devour, and demons are seen possessing human beings and, and causing people to be deceived and so forth. Angels, on the other hand, possess the ability to operate both in heaven and on earth. And when I refer to angels for here on out, basically, I'm remaining the angels who didn't rebel against God. It appears that angels can reside in heaven, but also reside on earth and kind of pass through the two different dimensions. And I'll kind of delve into that here soon. But as a side note, there are some people who wonder if Satan has some sort of ability to you know, pass through other dimensions, even including heaven because of a Bible story in Job about Satan talking to God. I'll give you the reference for what I mean. There's a lot of speculation about what this could potentially mean, ranging from taken very literally to some people saying it's purely metaphorical. Either way, there is some debate, but we know for sure at least that angels can kind of operate in both dimensions. What are the primary rules of angels and demons according to Christianity and found within the Bible? Angels are primarily servants of God, and they carry out a lot of sort of practices or things that would make more sense for a being of their caliber. To give you a few examples of what I mean, 
we see angels within the Bible warring and battling with demons or Satan. We see them delivering messages from God, guarding places like the Garden of Eden, and worshiping endlessly before God in the heavenly throne room. There's probably more that angels are doing, but these are some that you can see within the biblical scriptures. Demons, on the other hand, their primary goal is pretty much to deceive humans and lead them away from God. And there's sometimes this misconception outside Christianity and even within Christianity that Satan's main goal in life is to get people to worship him, and that's not entirely true. Don't get me wrong, it's not like within the Christian understanding of Satan that he's opposed to people worshiping him. Uh, he'll embrace worship if people are willing to give it. But he seems to be more primarily interested in leading people astray and away from God and pursuing their own lusts and making themselves gods. The greatest example of this is actually within Genesis where Satan comes in a form of serpent and basically deceives Eve into thinking that she can become her own god if she sins against her creator. So it seems like Satan is more interested in making people think they are their own gods and can do whatever they want, rather than necessarily getting them to worship him. And the way demons normally seem to deceive people or lead people astray is by one, temptation. They, they, they help make things that are evil seem appealing. They will also accuse people of past sin and make it feel like they can never experience mercy or have grace in their life. Interestingly enough, a lot of times Satan is referred to as the accuser for this reason. And of course you have literal possessions of people where demons will literally possess someone and basically make it impossible for them to do what is right, do good stuff. And then of course you also have magic and other wonders that come from demons to lead people astray and to give them a sense of power that is false in nature, meaning it's not ultimately going to be a power that can save them in the long run. Are there specific angels and demons mentioned within the Bible? Do Christians believe that we can know by name certain angels and demons? And actually, yes, there are a handful. And I think before I head into some of the angel names that are mentioned within the Bible, I do want to at least briefly mention some theory within angelology. It's possibly by many who look into angelology that there are nine different types of angels you can find throughout scripture or within the Christian tradition, and that includes the following. Seraphims, cherubim, thrones, dominions, virtues, powers, principalities, archangels, and common angels. And each of them serves sort of their own different rules, and they have their own sort of ways that they carry out their missions, stuff like that. Some of them primarily serve Earth, some of them primarily serve Heaven, some serve a little bit of both. Either way, I'm going to note here that this is based a lot on human philosophy, not necessarily everything being pulled directly from scripture, so take that for what it's worth, but that is a common belief among many Christians. Now, jumping into the names I was referring to earlier that are mentioned in the Bible as far as angels are concerned. You have basically four names of angels and demons mentioned directly in the scripture, including Satan or Lucifer. He, he was known as Lucifer when he was an angel, but then when he fell from heaven, became known as Satan. The other names are Gabriel, Michael, and Abaddon or Apollyon. And here's what we primarily see them perform within the scriptures. Gabriel is primarily seen delivering messages from God to prophets or people that need to hear his words. Michael is often seen battling with demons or engaging in spiritual warfare of some sorts. He's seen as sort of a warring angel. Lucifer Satan I've already sort of mentioned, but he's the prince of demons, prince of this earth, and sort of head-on show of demons, and a primary force behind a lot of evil in the world. Abaddon or Apollyon is only mentioned once in the scriptures. He apparently in Revelation is a fallen angel who will be the leader of a wicked army, and his name literally means destroyer. So here's the Bible verse reference where you can find him, and that's the only place you will find him in the Bible. 
by name at least. Generally speaking though, a lot of angels are mentioned in groups or not named in individually, and that includes demons as well. There is an account of demons calling themselves legion when possessing a man, and the reason for this is because there's multiple demons inside one man. Therefore, they call themselves legion because they are many. And before moving on to Judaism, which will be the next religion I cover, I do want to mention, it is a pretty common misconception that people have that Angels in the Bible look like the cute little naked babies with wings you see in a lot of like Renaissance paintings. But many times there's a lot of angels in the Bible mentioned that seem to have very fantastical appearances that our minds can't even really fully comprehend. This is what I mean. Some of them are described to have many eyes and many wings that cover the, like the entirety of their bodies. They're described like bright shining lights of glory that are often scaring people. That's why they often are saying to people, do not be afraid when they make themselves known. And there does seem to be this concept that angels can appear like humans at times, based on certain Bible verses, but at least some angels are described to be very, very fantastical to the point of, we can't even fully understand what they look like. And speaking on the appearance of angels, I might as well also mention, based on what we know from scripture, as far as Christianity is concerned, Demons aren't probably ugly beings. Oftentimes demons are portrayed as very ugly within paintings or within artwork or within videos. But in reality, demons described in the Bible are often seen as very beautiful beings. It is described of Satan that he comes as an angel in light or a sheep in wolf's clothing or you know something along those lines. He appears appealing to people physically and spiritually as well. Which makes demons and Satan even more deceptive and more cunning than one would even imagine, since they aren't ugly beings, they are probably very beautiful beings. But that is the general overview of angels and demons found within Christianity and within the Bible. So let's jump in to Judaism. As you could figure, since Jews revere the Old Testament, at least religious Jews do, they share a lot of common beliefs with Christians as far as their angelology is concerned. For instance, a lot of religious Jews will acknowledge that angels are servants of God. They will acknowledge the stories and accounts of angels found in the Old Testament. They will acknowledge that they are like beautiful beings and all that stuff. And even in regard to demons, there is debate among Jews in regard to the existence of demons, what they look like, and how they may behave. But in general, there are a lot of religious Jews who do believe in the existence of demons. But the big thing when it comes to the differences between Judaism and Christianity is based on the rabbinical teachings found within Judaism, such as in the Talmud and commentaries and so forth. And a lot of these rabbinical teachings delve into a lot of details about angels and demons and so forth, they they really delve into the weeds of what they may look like, their origins, their nature. Uh, let's jump into it. The nature and origin of angels according to Judaism is, of course, a debated topic. I should make a disclaimer before I continue. If you're unfamiliar with how the Talmud or rabbinical teachings work often within Judaism, is that they're structured a lot like debates. Different rabbis and different Jewish thought leaders and so forth go back and forth about interpretation of scripture and how one should understand it. And sometimes these come to strong conclusions. It seems like one rabbi is, performs a lot better of a case than another. And other times it's a lot more split or even of a fight. But that's how rabbinical teachings are often laid out. They're laid out like debates. With that in mind, let's continue. In regard to the creation of angels, some Jews propose that during the creation period, namely the six days of creation found in the 
first chapter of Genesis, that angels were created during that time frame at some point, whether that be on day two or day five, those are some of the common days proposed. Some argue, on the other hand, that angels may be perpetually being created as God makes pronouncements or makes decrees and speaks and so forth. There may be a perpetual coming and creation of angels. Within even some mystical Jewish traditions, there is this understanding that it is possible for human actions to potentially create angels as well. So the creation of angels is a debated topic within Judaism. And this topic gets even more convoluted as you'll see that not all Jews necessarily agree that angels are eternal beings or immortal beings. So some Jewish traditions propose the idea that angels may be created perpetually but also go out of existence perpetually and are only really in existence as they're needed. So even though they may be servants of God, they are basically temporary servants of God that flip in and out of existence as God calls them or needs them. Uh, but not everyone agrees on this. There is also the belief that angels are eternal beings and do perpetually exist. And some of these philosophies about the creation of angels, whether or not they're eternal and so forth, can be influenced by what they also believe about the nature of angels, which again is a debated topic because within Jewish tradition, debate is everything. In regards to the nature of angels according to Jewish tradition, it can range from being basically balls of energy to being something similar to water and fire. Some believe that the nature of angels consists of four elements, namely mercy, strength, beauty, and dominion, corresponding with four earthly elements, water, fire, earth, and air. Either way, even if they try to describe the substance of angels in reference to physical things that we can understand, they are still otherworldly and we still can't fully grasp what they really are. And like in Christianity, within rabbinical teachings and tradition, they also believe that there are some angels that we can know by name, but their list extends beyond what you can find in the Bible directly. Within Christianity, this is also the case in certain sectors such as Catholicism and Eastern Orthodox and so forth. There are some angels within their traditions that aren't necessarily directly mentioned in the Bible by name, but we'll focus right now on the rabbinical names, rabbinical angel names that can be found. So within the rabbinical teachings, you can find some four chief archangels found in the Madrash, which identifies Michael, Gabriel, Uriel, and Raphael as the four chief angels who surround the divine throne of God. And each of them have sort of their own particular attributes. It is also identified that there's this account within the Old Testament of Abraham visiting with three different beings. And within the rabbinical teaching, it is believed that these three beings were Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. And they happened to deliver the news that Abraham's wife was going to be pregnant and bear a child. And now, I don't know if I'm going to be pronouncing these right, but these are also some other names that can be found within tradition. Sandolphin, Zagzagil, and Surreal. I'll make sure I put the spellings on the screen. And these appear only rarely within the rabbinical teachings. There's also an angel called Metatron, which I know sounds very similar to Megatron, but let's continue. And Metatron actually assumes a very great importance, especially within the Madrash, which is another thing I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing right, but again, spelling on the screen for reference. And there's angels that are mentioned within the Jewish tradition that control or overlook certain things. So for instance, there are angels that cover matters such as prayers, hail, rain, anger, birth and pregnancy and, and other matters. And the name of these angels, according to Talmudic sources, became known to Israel only after the return from the Babylonian exile. So as you can tell, Jews do have a pretty well-developed understanding of angelology, and again, a lot of this is debated, and you'll find a lot of different Jews who 
disagree on this topic especially, but a lot of Jews will disagree on a lot of topics because, again, debate is at the heart of Judaism. But this covers a lot of the basics, and of course, Christianity has a lot of overlap with Judaism, but I mentioned a lot of the differences in this part that you can find within rabbinical teachings. And of course, this is just a general overview. There's, there's a lot you can dive into when you talk about angels in these religions. But I am covering the basics, and I'm going to be moving on to Islam next. Muslims, like Christians and Jews, also believe in angels. Interestingly enough, it is actually in their six articles of faith to believe in angels. But Muslims also believe in another creature called jinn. I'll break down the difference for you here. Muslims believe that angels are these perfect beings made from light, designed to serve God. And unlike the belief found within Christianity and within Judaism as well, angels did not have the ability to make a decision to rebel against God at any point. They don't have free will. Instead, angels were designed to be servants of God that could never rebel. Therefore, they obey his every command. And angels within Islam have a lot of times very specific responsibilities. An angel may be assigned to worshiping Allah at all times in prostration. Perhaps they are assigned to a person to watch over them and to record their deeds. Maybe they'll be the guardian angel of a certain phenomenon like thunder. Angels serve a plethora of purposes within Islam. And again, they do not defect because they are perfect and without free will. But if you're familiar at all with Islam, you also know that there are evil creatures that aren't just human. And there is this concept of shaitan or Satan or something along those sorts. So what are those creatures if they're not angels? Well, shaitan, demons, these evil creatures that can tempt people, they are jinn. And now I should quickly note, that jinn have free will, so therefore there are good and bad jinn, but when you hear about shaitan or demons within Islamic tradition, these will be primarily jinn. Jinn are creatures, according to Islamic tradition, created beings made from a smokeless fire. And in many ways, jinn are more powerful versions of humans that exist sort of in another dimension. And interestingly enough, there is the concept of shaitan falling away from God as well. You see, there's this account within Islam, found in Surah 38, of Shaitan being a worshipper of God, being his servant, loving him, all that good stuff. However, one day, God created Adam out of clay, and he happened to want the angels and jinn to bow down before him to pay him honor. Iblis or Shaitan, Satan, maybe if you use the more English version of the word, refused to bow down before Adam because he thought it was a disgrace for him to bow down before a creature made from clay. His specific argument goes like such, I am better than him, referring to Adam, you created me from fire and created him from clay. So he seemed to perceive that he was a much greater being than Adam, that he was better primarily because of his origins. And then God wasn't pleased with this and told Iblis that he would be judged in the end times, following the days of the resurrection. Until then, he was given the right to lead people astray from God and to tempt them and so forth. However, there was a caveat provided that Iblis would not be able to lead away true Muslims or true God followers, but rather he would only be able to lead astray people who weren't devoted to God. So that's sort of the fall of Satan within the Islamic tradition if you compare it sort of to Christianity and their understanding of the fall of Satan and so forth. Now, just like there are specific angels mentioned in the Bible and mentioned within Judaism, there are also specific angels and jinn mentioned within the Islamic tradition. Obviously, you have Iblis with 
within the jinn, which basically represents uh, shaitan, satan, so forth. But you have a lot of angels mentioned by name within Islamic tradition. You have Jibreel or Gabriel, who is the angel in charge of communicating Allah's word to his prophets. You have Israfel or Raphael. He's in charge of blowing the trumpet to mark the day of judgment. You have Mikael or Michael. This angel is in charge of rainfall and sustenance. You have Munkar and Nakir. After death, these two angels will question souls in the grave about their faith and deeds. You have Malak and Amwat. I'll put the names up on the screen. Angel of death. This character is in charge of taking possessions of souls after death. You have Malik, who is the guardian of hell. And Ridwan, the angel who serves as the guardian of heaven. And I might pronounce some of those wrong, but again, I'll provide spelling. And that's sort of an overview of a lot of angel stuff within Islam. And of course, with all three of these religions, you could delve a lot deeper and start delving into the weeds. But I try to provide a lot of basics and just understandings of these faiths and what they think about angels, demons, and in the case of Islam, jinn. So let's do some comparing and contrasting. In general, the three monotheistic religions agree that angels were designed to worship and serve God. Whether or not they have free will is subject to debate and that is a difference between the different faiths. And the general practices of angels do seem to be similar between the faiths. They all sort of deliver messages from God, help protect humans from evil spiritual influences, and will take commands from the Lord to do such tasks. And they also worship God. Angels worship God within all the traditions. The substance of angels or the nature of angels is actually quite diverse across all of the religions. So for instance, you have light making up angels within Islam or smokeless fire making up jinn. You have this idea within Judaism that's debated about the four elements and within Christianity, there's like nine different types potentially. There's a whole, the whole, whole philosophies there. It's very diverse. Muslims obviously believe that jinn can rebel against God while Christians and a lot of Jews believe that angels could rebel against God and you know, become demons, so it seems like jinn would probably have more in common with demons than uh, angels within Islamic faith would have in common with the angels, and, and at least the sense of free will. There are a lot of overlap in regard to the specific names mentioned between the three, like Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael within you know Judaism and Islam and so forth, so there's a lot of overlap as far as names are concerned. There are a few that obviously stand out as different, but there is quite a bit of overlap there. But yeah, so that is angels, demons, and jinn, according to the three major monotheistic religions found in this world. And of course, if you ever wanna delve deeper into this topic, there's a lot of material you could look through. Comment down below what you believe about angels, demons, or jinn, and what are your thoughts on these supernatural beings that exist among us? And as always, thank you for listening. You know, leave a like, comment, subscribe. It really helps this channel grow, gain traction, all that good stuff. And as always, friends, go out there and light the world yourselves.